0: And welcome back to Uncultured 20s. My name is Julia. And my name is Leanne. And this podcast is a journey of us culturally educating ourselves in what is considered classic in pop culture.
1: You know, media that people would say,
0: you've never seen that films music videos albums consumable content we review it and why we think it's made its way into the canon or why we think it shouldn't be we're always open to suggestions so keep up with us at uncultured 20s on instagram and tiktok we're also at letterboxd and twitter at uncultured 20s with a 20S.
1: this season we're
0: covering all things tiff
1: that's toronto international film festival
0: content warning this episode contains discussion of sensitive subjects such as murder sexual assault racism and misogyny Welcome to our first episode of season two. We're back already. We're here. We're ready. We know you missed us. Yes. <laughs> this is going to be an
1: accelerated season because I just have so much to say. Okay, I have the fantastic opportunity to attend the Toronto International Film Festival with the Media Inclusion Initiative. And I got to see so many cool films, and I'm just going to bring them all back to you. Some of these are not even in major theaters yet, so this is really exciting, and I'm so happy that I got this
0: opportunity. We were able to speak to some incredible guests, and we are so excited to find some new classics.
1: Today, we're going to be talking about two films that center women, believing women, um, supporting women, and telling in-depth
0: stories by women. So let's start with Woman of the Hour. This is Anna Kendrick's directorial debut. It's based on the real-life story of Rodney Alcala's 1970s murder spree. He posed as a photographer and targeted vulnerable women, and it's estimated that he could have killed up to 130 people. Amidst all this, he then appeared on The Dating Game and actually won the show.
1: If you haven't heard of The Dating Game, it was a popular reality show where a woman would choose a date from three mysterious suitors behind a wall. So they would sort of ask questions and then at the end she would choose one and they'd come behind the wall and reveal who they were. All
0: right, you know there are three bachelors over there. they will be one, two, and three. Ask them anything you like to find out more about them except their name, age, occupation, or income, okay? And we're gonna start by having them say hello to you and see how they sound. Number one, would you say hello to Cheryl, please? We're gonna have a great time together, Cheryl. Before becoming famous, there were celebrities like Farrah Fawcett, Tom Selleck, and Steve Martin who all appeared on the show.
1: Okay, maybe that's a good place to start. So Kendrick plays Cheryl, the main character. She's this actress who's struggling to get roles, but she's like really into acting and her agent books her on the dating game which is something that cheryl's not comfortable with she's like this isn't acting this is like for floozies but her agent convinces her to go on for exposure kendrick's storyline with the dating game is like a through line and then rodney's various encounters with women and how he harms them are sort of dispersed throughout the film you see how he charms them and pretends he's a nice guy he's unassuming and witty and Even though he is a registered sex offender (laughs) and recently released from prison, he's able to get so close with all of these women. And in his eyes, like, you can see when his switch flips from being, like, a nice approachable guy to, like, someone who's going to harm you. And the actor does a really scarily accurate and subtle job, and I'll probably be terrified of him forever, to be honest.
0: (laughs) The film description says, quote, Instead of dwelling on the gruesome details that often preoccupy true crime tales, Kendrick uses the case to make an incisive statement on the way women are forced to navigate their encounters with men. Do you think that they achieved that in this film? Sort
1: of. Like, I do think they still dwelled on the details. It felt like each scene with his victims was its own horror movie. There is no point of the movie where you're comfortable. Your neck was tangling the whole time because you just knew something awful was going to happen. There was the music, that horror movie music that just amps it up to that next level. And you're given each victim's background story, So you become attached to them and it does humanize them beyond being a victim, which I think was Kendrick's primary goal. There's a pregnant lady, a flight attendant, a teenage hitchhiker, who sort of becomes the hero of the story later. And I think women can definitely see themselves in each of these interactions. Mm -hmm. and you know having to navigate around those interactions like this is not strange to women Mm -hmm. this is like very normal so they really achieved that in this aspect there's also this like third storyline going on which I honestly thought was the most important even though I think it actually was fictionalized like was not true Um, I think it was really good addition so there's a live audience member who attends the dating game taping with her boyfriend and it's the same one that Cheryl Anna character is playing in so they're at the same show taping and as the show goes on she recognizes Rodney she realizes that she saw him on the last night her friend was alive when her friend was murdered he was the last person she was seen with and so obviously she suspects that he has something to do with it but she hasn't been able to find him until now so she has a panic attack and she leaves the show She's sitting in the car and she's trying to process what she's seeing and her feelings. And her boyfriend comes to comfort her. But then he doesn't believe her when she confides in him, okay? shes He's like, are you sure that was him? And she's like, yes, I'm like 95% sure.
0: And he's like, oh, well, it's not 100%. Oh, my God. It's just like, like what a freaking trope of like, not even just film, but of real life where it's like, this is supposed to be the person too that like you trust. And then it's like, well, are you sure? Like, I still don't believe you. Like, of course. Um, Believe women, maybe? Like, I don't know. Just a thought. Just a thought. (laughs) It's not even surprising, which is so frustrating, obviously.
1: He's like, oh, well, the show must have vetted its contestants. Like, they must have done a background check, you know. A guy this awful must be in jail already.
0: I'm like, yeah, sure, because everybody always ends up in jail. That's a horrible
1: person. (laughs) Yeah, because police are notoriously good at doing that. Yes. Not. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> this girl tries to go to the show's producer. She's knocking on all these doors and getting no answers. She goes to the security guard. Right. And she's like, "We have to warn Cheryl like she cannot choose bachelor number 3. This is a dangerous man." And so to placate her, the security guard tells her to wait for Jim Bob, whatever his name is, the head of the show. In this room. So she goes to this room, she's sitting for a long time waiting. And then a janitor comes in and she's like and he's like, "Why are you here?" She's like, oh, I'm waiting for Jim Bob. He's the head of the show. And the janitor goes, well, I'm Jim Bob. They're uh, pulling her like, yeah. Yeah. So she's been waiting for hours for no one. Yeah. And all she's just trying to do is protect somebody else. Eventually, her boyfriend comes and apologizes, blah, blah, blah. And he goes with her to the police. Um, but even with a man by her side, they do nothing. Okay. And so I think her storyline just really demonstrates how difficult it is for survivors to be listened to and for women to be listened to. Nobody believes them, okay? But they believe in the system. So to me, this storyline was really the most important and the most impactful. The actor, Nicolette Robinson, and her portrayal of PTSD were really, really spot on. You could feel her frustration through the screen. Like, I wanted to be with her, knocking on those glass screens and just being like, do something! Like... This guy is a menace. Like, put him in jail. And also on top of that, like, she's actually someone that I could see existing in the 70s. I know we said it before on the podcast, but Anna Kendrick has seen a cell phone. <laughs> she knows what a telephone is. Or she knows what an iPhone is. Um, I think Anna Kendrick was really good at directing. I don't know if she was the best choice uh, for acting. Like, I think she just is too much of a familiar face. in in my memory nobody else in the film was really like a notable actor so in my mind i'm like oh that's anna kendrick it's not cheryl i think she was just too um i the character her character cheryl didn't really make sense to me because cheryl is supposedly like this really ambitious actor who really wants to do acting and then because of this one interaction with this man she has decided to move home and so at the end credits they go Cheryl moved to the country and had two kids and never acted again. Whatever.
0: Right. Okay. It's like okay, yeah.
1: I don't that that doesn't line up with me the care for the character. So, mm-hmm. I think if they got somebody else to play Anna Kendrick, maybe her personality wouldn't have mm-hmm. gotten through to the character so much and it would have made more sense. But that's just my own personal opinion. I have a thing with
0: period I think pieces. It's if you can an interesting tell. choice when directors also act in their films. I'm like, just focus on directing. Like, it's okay. Let somebody else act this time. <laughs> it's all good. Um, so how did the dating game itself play into the film? Cheryl doesn't
1: really want to be on the show, especially because she has to read all these like cheesy questions, and she's like gritting her teeth as she goes, A Bachelor number one, I am serving you for dinner. Oh. <laughs> what are you called, and what do you look like?
0: I'm called the banana, and I look really good.
1: The makeup artist is like, just have fun, okay? So she does. She pokes fun at each of them and moves at a really rapid pace. Uh, There's three bachelors. There's this ditzy guy, and so she asks him physics questions and questions about Albert Einstein. And the second guy's like typical jerk womanizer and asks, what does he expect from a date? And he goes, well, if I buy her dinner... I'm expecting dessert. Oh my goodness. So then she asks Rodney's character, what are women for? And Rodney says, well, that's for her to decide. He knows what she's looking for. He charms her. He's able to mold himself to her perfect bachelor. Like really, if you're just watching the show, I think that would have fooled a lot of women. Mm -hmm. The game really paralleled how the last victim in the film escaped. And I realized that like as the film was ending, you sort of see the the threads all pulled together she doesn't run away screaming she has to pretend that she's in love with him she calls him baby she asks him not to tell anybody what they did because it was consensual but she doesn't want people to know that she you know gets around she really has to play this game with him she has to play the dating game and then when he starts to drive them back she escapes at a gas station and i think the cafe was called something like last chance cafe very thematic in real life uh, what happened was the police you know the police came whatever he got out on bail and killed more women and the dating game actually fueled his like sense of rejection meaning he caused more deaths Mm -hmm. so there's that not blaming the dating game because it is nobody's fault but himself okay this is man's responsibility so Julia based on my recounting of the film I hope that was a Accurate recounting. Do you think you would go see Woman of the Hour?
0: Like, is this something that the film canon has been needing? It sounds interesting to me. I I am definitely the person who needs to be in a very specific mindset to watch um, movies or anything related to like true crime esque things because I get freaked out. <laughs> but I think it. Um, I mean, I think it's interesting. It obviously speaks to something that even if it's not on the same level of serial killer, but like, you know, this the level that women are always struggling to be heard. And like, you know, I listen to my, my true crime podcast every once in a while when I'm feeling up for it. And it's kind of the same, it's kind of always the same thing where it's like there were so many warning signs and people, there were so many people who would notice things about this man or whatever, or say things. And it's always the same thing where, it's always too late by the time they get him, you know? Like, it's like, okay, so he killed like 130 people. (laughs) Like, if only maybe you had been paying a little more attention or just like doing your job a little better, but I think caring about it now, I would probably go, I'd probably watch it. I'd have to be mentally prepared to watch it though. And maybe with somebody else, (laughs) so, but yeah, it it definitely sounds interesting for sure.
1: Well, I like bananas, so I'll take one. Number one, that's your number one.
0: He's a skydiver, so he's got a lot of nerve. He's into motorcycling, he's also a fine. Photographer, say hello to Rodney Alcala. Rodney Garvey. Now on to Sisterhood by Nora L. Horch. This is a French film that has an alternative title, HLM Pussy. Yeah, I actually Googled that like right
1: as the film ended. It <laughs> is French slang for habitation à Loyer Modere. <laughs> <laughs> Was that right?
0: <laughs> yes, beautiful.
1: <laughs> it's a form of low-income housing in France. The film centers on three teenage girls who are inseparable friends. Amina, the protagonist, is strong-headed, which is a trait from her lawyer mother, who represents domestic violence victims. She's more affluent and white-passing than her friends, but she has mixed Arabic and French heritage, and she's the only one who doesn't live in the
0: HLM. I Amina's mean, actress Leah Aubert was named one of TIFF's rising stars this year.
1: Yeah, she was really great. Um, her crying scenes were next level. Very vulnerable, ugly snot crying. I applaud it intensely.
0: <laughs> as we all, as we all do. As we all do.
1: <laughs> the other two girls are Geneba, uh an ambitious social media sneaker influencer. She does like uh, live streams from her room, and Zineb. A shy, family-oriented girl who's beautiful. So she's always shown to have men hitting on her and her girls kind of protect her and shield her from that. But her brother's best friend named Zach is interested in her and slowly keeps forcing himself upon her and um, making her uncomfortable. When Amina and Janeba find out, they sort of set Zach up. They hide in a closet and film him coming up to zineb and saying all nasty things and kissing her without her consent and saying all these awful things to her and so amina posts the video under an anonymous instagram account after she gets really pissed off by him so she she covers the faces and doesn't say who it is but obviously zach knows that it's him and the video starts gaining traction around their town. And Amina is so blinded by her need for justice and accountability that she doesn't really realize like how dangerous what she's just done is. And especially the danger that she's put Zineb in because Zineb is the one who has to live close by him, like brother, her brother's best friend. Like he's practically a part of her family. Now they've pissed him off where he's gonna like do something really awful. So, this incident really brings to light their differences in race, social class, cultural privilege.
0: That's a lot of topics to bring up in an hour and a half.
1: It is, yeah. And I, going into it, I was not sure how deeply they were going to be able to touch on all these things. I mean, it's a lot of buzzwords, but I think it, they did it well. And I think it was because it was all intertwined with each other. You know, these things are intersectional, right? Like, all these characters' identities included all of these different things. And it, showed up in their relationship. So it didn't really feel like there was just a bunch of different things together. Like all these differences influenced how they reacted to the video, their family dynamics, uh, where they are in, sc- where they're going to school, their job prospects for next year. Like this is all like really shown in depth and um, it didn't feel forced. Like it's just part of who they are and part of their friendship, these three girls. And uh, the director really masterfully showed who they are and how they behaved without like outright spelling it for us you are shown how tight-knit zineb's family is and how zach is an honorary member of it so you see that what her predicament is you see why she's hesitant to say anything because she doesn't want to upset her family she doesn't want to shift the dynamic and um the director nora was actually at the screening as well as geneba and zineb's actors which was really cool and she spoke about how she put herself in each character. She's a survivor, just like Zineb. And she's also mixed Moroccan and French, as Amina is. Like, she said herself she saw most in Amina because she had a lot of friends in the HLM, but she herself was quite affluent. And she didn't understand her mixed heritage. And she's also a survivor. Like, there's just so much of her in the film. Like, these characters... I that they were funny they were they're real girls you know and the the actors were real teenagers and i love french films just because of their humor and how realistic they are you know everybody looks like real people that you would actually see and at the screening they spoke about filming some of these distressing scenes so they used constant check-ins and they had to restate their boundaries every time you know is it okay if he puts his hand here can he put his hand there And they actually took out some of the scenes that the actors became uncomfortable with. You know, When they signed on, they said, yes, I can do this. But then later when they start filming it, they said, actually, no, I don't wanna do it. So they reworked it. And I actually think this worked out for the better. So this is scenes with intense um, assault happening. And instead of just showing it blatantly, they really, they showed like a black screen And they use like really like ASMR-esque like breathing noises that make you really uncomfortable. And there's this poem that she reads and her eyes sort of turn to stars. And it put the audience in that faraway place that Zineb had to go to sort of not exist during this abuse. It was like a visual representation of dissociation and it felt really real and very uncomfortable. Um, I absolutely love Sisterhood, uh, even though I don't think I would watch it again anytime soon I think it really demonstrates the reality for so many survivors of sexual harassment you know it's somebody that you know it's somebody that's deeply embedded in your community it's not as simple as posting a video
0: yeah it sounds like something I would definitely be interested in watching as well I uh I like that you mentioned um like the the French film aspect because I also love like the the French film aspect and it's true what you say about it being so real um and you know obviously sometimes with films when they're discussing issues like this it can feel very like just like inserted in where you are just sort of like confronted with it and it's like oh here's a topic and it's horrible and here's what you need to know and the end and so it is great when you see films where it's just sort of like it's integrated in the story in a way that makes sense in a way that shows you like these these are real people and like you know it's just it's just these Friends Who are living their normal lives But here's all the different levels of like You know why things are the way they are And like why Amina has more privilege And how that affects her What her actions are And so it definitely sounds like something That I'd be interested in watching But yeah maybe a one time Maybe a one time watch
1: for me as well Yeah that's the thing about these films Is they just hit so close to home That it's hard to (laughs) Watch it more than once Because
0: it's not an escape Like, it's a reality. It's not like a fun little thing you put on because you want to be entertained for a bit. It's like, do you want to think about something? (laughs) Here you go. (laughs) It's
1: really great that they're both by female directors with female-led casts. Um, I thought that was
0: really awesome. Yeah. Films about women are finally being told by women. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We actually see women for how they are instead of how men view women and put them in the movie. (laughs)
1: Yeah, exactly. And I also feel like they both tapped into that like instinct that women have to protect one another and to protect themselves it's this invisible thing but I I think other women know what I'm talking about at least I hope you know I feel like I'm always looking out for other women there's silent conversations we have with one another you know on the subway in the classroom like you make that eye contact and you know exactly what the other person's feeling it's that like grip inside of you and it's really important but it's also, like, incredibly sad that we've evolved to have that. Um, but to have
0: women tell their own stories through film is so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so true. But, like, I, I'm i just curious what it would feel like to be, like, a man watching a movie like this. Like, you, you would you just not? get it at all like I mean many men would not probably <laughs> which is why there are movies about this kind of stuff <laughs> because of those men um but like yeah it's you know as a woman you're just watching it and you're like oh yeah like I like I know people who have been through this and I know that like feeling and I know the the fear and the need to like take care of each other and so it's always you can always tell when it's um not being told like really by a woman these stories because you're like you don't really know that like internal like like you said like that eye contact that you make like that kind of thing so i mean it is it is important to be seeing films like this being told by the people who have experienced it and know people who have experienced it absolutely All right, so that's just the beginning of our TIFF coverage. We'll be back in your ears very soon with some more movies, more action.
1: Connect with us on Letterboxd at Uncultured20s20s to see all the films we've covered, or our Spotify to see our playlists at Uncultured20s, T-W-E-N-T-I-E-S.
0: We're also on Instagram, so follow us at Uncultured20s, T-W-E-N-T-I-E-S. If you went to TIFF, let us know what you thought of the festival. What films did you love? What films did you hate? We're on Culture 20s, and we'll see you on the airwaves. Culture 20s.